Welcome to Ikoi Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast services. Listen and be blessed. Let's read from Nehemiah chapter 8. We just read some verses. We may not be able to take the entire course of time. When the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. And as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Matthiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Ikiah, and Maseah, and on his left were Pedah, Mishael, Makija, Ashum, Ashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatai, Odiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jezebel, Enan, and Peliah, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Verse 9. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe, And the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, Be still. 
For this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. The Watergate Revival. For as many of us that have been part of the Bible studies every Wednesday, and those who watch as we live stream, I remember we had a Bible study on the gates of Jerusalem, the 12 gates. And it was a wonderful study. I enjoyed it personally. And I learned a lot from it. But this morning, I want to look at a revival that broke out at the water gate. Shall we pray? I want you to talk to the Lord, ask the Lord to speak to you personally this morning, that the Lord will send revival to us as individuals, as families, and as a church. The greatest need of our generation is revival. The greatest need of the church all over the world is another revival. The Nigerian church is in dire need of revival. There's something that's going to step in and save this generation from heading to a Christless eternity and avert the judgment of God is revival. We need to cry that God will visit the land again, visit the church again, turn things around and bring glory to his name. Everything you see that is going wrong in the church, in the nation, the answer to it is revival. My prayer for us as a church is that this cloud that we could see as small as a man's hand, we grow to become black with clouds that we produce a heavy rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In First Kings chapter 18, the Lord said to the man of God, Go, Elijah, and tell Ahab, I'm going to send rain upon the land. And Elijah went and began to pray. And at a point he saw a cloud as small as a man's hand. And the man of God said, that's a sign. Not long after that, the sky grew black. And rain fell upon the land. After three and a half years, when there's been no rain. A heavy rain is coming upon this church. Every rain is coming upon the body of Christ. God will visit us again. What revival is not? Revival is not a program that we organize. It's not humanly organized. It's divinely initiated. Revival is not an annual event. Like we just had in November. That's not revival. Revival is not crusade. Revival is not necessarily a crowd pulling effect. You can have millions of people gathered in a place even to do a church gathering and God is not there. So revival is none of this. 
What is revival? Revival has to do with a divine awakening. When God comes to his people and wakes them up from their stupor. You don't need to push them. You don't need to bamboozle them. You don't need to manipulate them before they do what is right. Revival is a divinely sent experience to wake men from their stupor and save them from earthly and eternal damnation. Revival is God's visitation on individuals, churches, or a nation. Revival is God's intervention that comes to prevent a people from untold and eternal catastrophe. Revival is God's arrival on this thing. Hallelujah. When God arrives in a place, the difference will be clear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's an age of internet. I want to encourage you, go to the internet and Google revival stories. You see the story about the Ebright revival, Shantung revival, Hosbury revival. Some of these revivals start in college campuses, seminaries. And when revival breaks out, you know, most of the time, you don't know how it starts, and you don't know when it will end. God just arrives on the scene, and when the glory of God falls, you can't leave. I pray God will visit us. Hallelujah. So there's this Watergate revival that we see. And we're going to look at some of the features of that revival. The first feature we noticed is in verse 1. This revival was marked by genuine hunger for the word of God. The first feature of every reviver is hunger for God. That hunger is often expressed through people becoming hungry for the word of God. Bulk of what we see today in the body of Christ and in our national life is hunger for stops and not for God. People are hungry for fame, for power, for positions, and the host of other things, but not for God. All that God will empty us of everything that has made us so full apart from himself. May the Lord purge you and I of our carnality and fill us with hunger for himself. May the Lord create an unceasing hunger for his word like he did to people in Nehemiah's day. Hallelujah. Look at verse 1. When the seventh man came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people 
assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Mind you, the word water in scripture stands for the word of God by which God sanctifies his people. So these people gathered and this time around their gathering was not to protest but rather to make a demand for the word of God. Look at what they told Ezra. They told Ezra this crime. To do what? To bring out the book of the law of Moses. We have been studying from chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, down to this chapter. There's never been an account when the people gather to study the word of God. And it was as if these people, they became so hungry that they couldn't keep quiet again. I also wonder why Ezra, who had the custody of the book of the law from chapter 1 to this moment, he kept quiet. The people were starved and they came out and made a demand for the word of God. If there's going to be a revival in your life, there must be hunger. The Bible says, don't give what is sacred to dogs. God will not joke with holy stuff. If there's no desperation, there's no hunger, God will not give you this kind of thing that we are talking about. And that's why we pray that the Lord will empty us of every other thing that we are filled with other than God. Hallelujah. This revival was divinely initiated. God himself was behind it. And this another feature of genuine revivals. It's always initiated by God. It's not a product of human planning or arrangement. It often starts sometimes with an individual or a small group of people. Only God could have done what we see in verse 1. That a whole nation will gather and all that they are asking for was not for water. They were not protesting and demanding for light. What were they asking for? Give us the word of God. They were not going to ask for miracles. All they were demanding for is Ezra. Bring out the book of the law. They wanted to hear God speak to them. Only God could do this. And I pray God will do this in your heart. I pray God will do this in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Similar to what you have been saying, this revival was centered around the word of God. Every genuine revival always centered around the word of God. Even though there could be personalities involved, miracles, signs, and wonders, good singing, and a host of other manifestations in a revival, 
But the centrality of the word of God is always visible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is evident in the passage that is before us. Let's look at verse 2 down the line. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. In verse 4, Ezra describes stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. In verse 5, we still see Ezra open the book, everything revolves around the word of God. Any revival that is not anchored on the word of God will not last. And we see that revival here. That the word of God plays a central role. The fourth feature of this revival, it was fueled by prepared instruments. Another feature of a genuine revival is that it's always fueled by divinely prepared instruments. This is evident in biblical revival and contemporary revival accounts. The revival that broke out under Nehemiah was spearheaded by Ezra, particularly. Nehemiah was involved and the Levites. Let's go back to the scripture again. Let's read verse 4. Ezra describes stood on a wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Matatayan, Shema, Anea, Uriah, Ilkiah, and Maseah. And on his left were Pedah, Mishael, Makija, Ashum, Ashbadanam, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Not just Ezra was involved, but we see these Levites on his right, on his left. They were all together ministering the word of God to people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In the revival that is coming upon Ikoi Baptist Church, all of us will need to be involved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sunday school teachers will play active role. Intercessors will play active role. Pastors, deacons, every one of us, God is calling us to be prepared. One major reason why we didn't see Ezra manifesting from chapter 1 to this point was because Ezra was preparing for the day of his manifestation. On Wednesday, by God's grace, we're going to be studying more about Ezra. I want to encourage you to be in church. I don't want to go into that this morning. But you see, this man was thoroughly prepared. So that by the time people said, bring out the book of the law, it didn't take him time. On the spot, he began to dish out the scripture. God needs to get us to that stage that regardless of the short notice given to you, you are ready to dole out the scripture for people to hear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revival instruments don't jump down from the sky. 
they are always divinely ready-made for that purpose. May the Lord raise you up as an instrument of revival. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. If there are people in the congregation that will like personally to be involved, you want to have an engagement with me or any of the pastors, to dig deep into the scripture. I will want you to see me after the service indicate, uh, and we shall begin a journey in this dimension in Jesus' name. This revival that we are talking about was marked by appropriate response to the word of God. Many times God speaks to us like he's doing this morning, that our problem most of the time is that we don't respond appropriately. Action that we need to take on the spot, sometimes we defer, we delay, we procrastinate. And before you know it, you have lost the word of God. It's interesting to observe the response that greeted the opening of the book of the law in verse 5 and 6. Without manipulation and any human scheming, the people stood up. They bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. May the Lord help each and every one of us to respond appropriately to God and his word henceforth in Jesus' name. May the Lord deliver us from being casual and mechanic in our attitudes to the living word of God. May the Lord fill our hearts with genuine reverence for him and his words in Jesus' name. One major weakness we have as Christians is the way we treat the word of God, our Bible. Some of us, the clothes you're even wearing is more beautiful than your Bible. I respect the Muslims when it comes to the Quran. You can't play around with the Quran. They see the way we handle our own Bibles. Thank God for technology. Some of us don't even have the audacity to carry this again now. It's a challenge. And it's my prayer that the Lord will help us. That our attitude to the word of God will change for the better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will I be saved this morning if I ask you to raise up your Bible? You have a Bible in your hand? If they come to you like they did to Ezra, bring out the book of the law. This is what some of us will bring out. As good as that is, this is not Bible. It only contains the scriptures. Praise the Lord. As simple as that is, it's very, very critical. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ezra opened the book, and as he did, the Bible says the people could see him 
because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. I know today you go to so many gatherings, you say, let's stand up in honor of God's word. It's very good, but it should not be mechanical. Ezra didn't manipulate them. But because of the hunger that has been created, once they ate that, everybody was eager to hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your attitude to the word of God will determine your rising or otherwise. He said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it out day and night. If revival is going to break out in your life, it will rest on your attitude to the scripture. The Watergate revival was characterized by genuine and heartfelt brokenness. Can you imagine the fact that mere reading of the word of God had on the people? The people were broken and they began to mourn and weep uncontrollably. There's power in the word of God. Hallelujah. There's power in the word of God. The day I finally submitted to going to ministry, when the word of God came in the University of Calabar, lecture theater that I went to attend the Capro uh, program, I literally wept from that all to the Copper's Lodge. If you met me on the way and say, why are you crying? I cannot tell you. But the word of God was so sharp that I couldn't recover from it. When the word of God comes expressly and powerfully, we only could be able to recover from it. Hallelujah. 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 Can you see the effect of the word of God in verse 9? The Bible says, Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people, how many of the people? All the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Whenever you come to church and you hear the word of God and nothing really happens to you, two possibilities. Is that the person, me, that is preaching, didn't do enough preparation, or the hearer, their heart is not ready to receive the word. And that's a challenge to all of us. That I don't come to church casually. I should come with expectation for God to speak to me. I should also come prepared, do all I can for effective delivery of the word of God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The people were mourning and they were weeping because the word came to them. Every genuine revival is characterized by heartfelt brokenness. People are broken, you know, for their sins. No wonder the Bible says the word of God is a fire. It's a hammer that breaks the hardest rock. I have no doubt that if all of us begin to take the word of God serious, at the personal, family, and congregational level, the revival that we are praying for will soon begin to happen. And there are six positive attitudes to the word of God that we need to cultivate to experience personal revival. We have done this last year in our discipleship, but just to refresh us. The first level attitude is to do what? To hear it. Followed by, read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And obey it. And we normally use our hand as a reminder. Hear it. This is obeyed. Praise the Lord. So I want to challenge us to a Bible reading assignment plan. 2019 is around the corner. How many of us have read the Bible through before? Let me see your hand. Genesis to Revelation. Okay. So those of us who have read it through before, and those who have not, next year, we want to see how we can read the entire Bible. I mean, many of us would like to participate in that. Let me see your hand. I want to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you read three chapters in a day, you actually finish before the end of the year. Hallelujah. I have another challenge I want to throw to those who would like to participate between now and December 31st. You want to finish the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many of us want to take up that challenge? To read just the Gospels. Praise the Lord. Let me see your hand. Can you stand up and let me pray with you? It will mean that you are going to shut your television and some stuff. But you can't be the same again. Can you stretch forth your hand to God and say, Lord, I receive grace. I receive grace to do this exercise. All GAs, all of you should stand up. It's compulsory for all of you. This is holiday time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we ask for grace. Behold all your children standing. Release your grace.
chief hunger. That kind of hunger that will drive them to reading. That even beyond that which has been assigned, they will go beyond it. And as we do this, Holy Father, let our lives be transformed. Glory be to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God bless you. The Watergate revival was marked by long-lasting impact. Most genuine revivals are not time-bound. It's often not predictable in most cases. You may not know how and when it will start and when it will end. God is always directly in charge of such revival. May the Lord visit you and I with this kind of revival in Jesus' name. I pray you know what you are saying amen to. Because when this revival comes, one of the things that happens, you may come to church on a Sunday morning like this. And before you realize, come to consciousness that you came to church, it may be two weeks' time. You see, several of us, we have not really engaged God. What most of us have seen, sincerely speaking, is just religion. When God comes down, and I've seen God come down in a measure, and there's nothing that will satisfy me other than seeing God in action. While on campus, those days, a revival broke out in the universe of Ibadan. And I used to say that one of the things that led to the death of this man in Nigeria, where Abiola could not rule Nigeria, was because he encountered God mistakenly in that revival. When the revival broke out on that university campus, as the Muslims are kneeling down to pray and raising their head in the mosque, they are seeing the cross. And they got angry and they said the cross must be uprooted. And problems started. It was Abela that came and said that cross must be uprooted. And they were to uproot it because he had money and all that. So people began all kinds of prayer again. That is why you it today. The effect of that revival is still there. Many of the great men of God in Nigeria came from that campus. They broke out of that revival. It was a recruiting grant for God to raise men for Nigeria. So what we are crying unto God for is not religion. It's an experience, an engagement with the Holy God. When the revival that broke out on the Osbury campus broke out, it was just devotion, morning devotion. A student was asked to pray, and as he begins to pray, the power of God fell. By the time they were recovered, they spent two weeks in the chapel without anybody knowing it, worshiping God. You have not seen anything yet, but I pray that God will bring us into the realm that he's talking about in Jesus' name. When this kind of revival broke out, you don't hammer on sinners to repent. 
In that revival, people just walk out and say, oh, I stole low. I'm the one that embezzled all the money in our office. Pray that God should forgive me. You don't need to run after anybody. Because the power of God comes with intense conviction on sinners that they cannot stand the holy God. I cry for revival. Oh God, send revival. Send revival to your people again. Send revival to our lives. Send revival to the church. In the name of Jesus. Look at verse 9. Down the line. We've seen the impact of that revival. And we see how they were reading the scriptures. And they did this for days. Do you know that for a whole month? Every day they were coming to read the scripture. Let me just jump to verse 18. Because of our time. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the feast for seven days. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Chapter 9, verse 1 says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and weeping. And if you read chapter 9, chapter 10, what happened in, started in chapter 8, continue down to chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. The impact was so, so much, so strong. May the Lord visit us in Jesus' name. This revival was marked by prompt obedience to the word of God. Once they discovered the expectation of God about the Feast of Tabernacles, they did not delay but acted on the revealed word of God. It was also marked by personal and collective resolutions. It's worthy of note that the Watergate revival steered up the Israelites to making no binding agreement, you know, upon themselves. Let's look at chapter 9. And see what they said in verse 38. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing. And our leaders and Levites and our priests are fixing their seals to it. And you see the names of all who sealed it and the resolution. If the Lord permits, maybe next Sunday we'll look at this resolutions that they made. The content of their resolutions can be found in verse 28 to 39. I have no doubt that there's a move of God that has started in our church. My prayer is that this fire will grow bigger and stronger. May none of us be left behind. In Jesus' name. We hope you were blessed. Ikoi Baptist Church is a Bible-believing church located at 5-7 Latif Jackandir Road in Ikoi of Lagos State, Nigeria. You can find us on Facebook at Ikoi Baptist Church or reach the church directly via phone at 0163-20485 and 0163-20486. For more information, please visit the church website at www 
ekoibaptistchurch.org. Ekoibaptistchurch.org